Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. New VanCast to start the week off here. We were through the, what did we call it last week? A makeshift long weekend with Canada Day on the Thursday, 4th of July. So happy Independence Day to all of our listeners in the States. And now we get on with the rest of July and we're sort of in this holding pattern. Tom waiting for the Stanley Cup final to end, which will probably happen tonight. And then hopefully we can get in and get on with the meat of this month when it comes to news in the hockey world. I mean, there's some stuff to talk about, right? Oh, no, we we always we always find things to talk about. But it did feel, didn't it? It kind of felt like the hockey world took the long weekend. It did. It did feel like the hockey world took the long weekend. No question about it. As as the hockey world deserved. Even sure. even the even the Stanley Cup final took the long weekend. Really, right? Like there's that two game two day layoff between games Friday and Monday night. So yeah, I mean it's been slow. It's been slow, but. It, things are about to heat up. I think we're. I still think we're like ten days out from from the meat of the off season. Well, ten days probably a little generous. But six. We're 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 still the better part of a week out. And, and, and at that point, I do think one week from the trade freeze, that seven days, I do think you're going to see a ton of movement, a ton of news. But at the moment, stasis uh, as we wait to get a little bit closer as pressure continues to build. And yes, as you said as everyone took the long weekend. Yeah, and certainly not the kind of news any of us in the hockey world wanted to oh, wake up to here on this Monday, the the passing of Matisse Kivlenix, the, the Columbus goaltender. Uh, and not that everything needs a, a tie back to the Vancouver Canucks, but Ian Clark is the guy that basically recommended the Blue Jackets sign Matisse Kivlenix uh, as a free agent a few years ago. So, you know, there is a small Canuck connection to all of this, but I mean, again, that's not what we're here for. It's uh, just to take a moment to recognize the, the loss of a life and uh, still getting some details as we record this, but uh, just terrible, terrible stuff uh, out of Columbus. So our thoughts with uh, the family of Matisse Kivlenix and certainly the, the Columbus Blue Jacket family as well, but I'm sure yeah. Ian Clark is, is mourning today as well. Absolutely. Uh, a reminder of how fragile uh, life can be, right? Just... Um just terrible. Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen tweeting, life is so precious and can be so fragile. Hug your loved ones today. Rip Mattis, you will be dearly missed. What a, what a, 
what a tragedy for the entire hockey world and for the Columbus Blue Jackets organization and, and perspective for all of us. You know, we spend so much time in the Canucks online community sort of, you know, arguing and taking each other's heads off on Twitter and on and on. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it's useful to remember that w- what matters is to appreciate the time we have, right? Uh, just awful. Just what a terrible news today on a Monday morning. Yeah. Now, you know, you talk about maybe a week out from real hockey news, although we're going to find out by the end of the week that uh, this Abbotsford team is going to have a name and a logo. So there will be some Canuck news at some point uh, later on this week. And there was a report in the Abbotsford news that, drum roll please, uh, the team name could very well be the Canucks. I love that. Which, you know what, when you think of how sort of relatively short a period of time they've had since the announcement that they were moving the team, that it was all finalized. Uh, you know, they haven't even hired a, a COO there yet. So all these decisions are still being made downtown at Rogers arena, you know, on a lot of levels that makes sense. Like from a branding and a marketing perspective, like it may be a little uninspired, but you know what, when you look around the American hockey league, Providence Bruins, the Bridgeport Islanders, the Iowa wild, the Belleville senators. So there's even a Canadian example Sorry, the Bridgeport Islanders, they're no longer the Sound Tigers? Yeah. What is a Sound Tiger anyway? That's got to be one of the weirdest sports names in history. Well, I think it's Bridgeport Sound, isn't it? Oh, they're I not. I think it's a place. I don't think they're a thing. I think you're wrong. I think it's Bridgeport what? and they're Sound How Tigers. How dare you? Yeah, How no. Dare you? I'm pretty sure they're I'm pretty sure they're like tigers with speakers. <laughs> pretty confident about this J-Pat they're tigers with beats wearing headphones head I like it and of course uh, the Texas Stars there's the the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins so there are a bunch yeah. of teams that have the double name and when you think of marketing opportunities branding um, you know cost efficiencies like just and I, I say cost efficiencies because I would assume if you're going to name them the Canucks you're probably going to run with the, the color scheme as well, but we'll find that out later in the week. But I don't know. There's just there's a lot more things in the world to get worked up about for me than a team name. And quite frankly, if it's Canucks, like I, I'm all right with that. I, I'm a big fan. I like it. I like it a lot. I think it makes a ton of sense. It creates uh, a, a really strong connection. And more than that, I do think it gives off the vibe of like a U21 team, you know, like a European U21 team. It's like You've got Liverpool and you've got Liverpool's U21s and they're basically the same team. And I like that. Like, I like that explicit connection between the farm team and the and in the NHL level team. Um, I think it's strong. I think it's good. I think it creates a ton of interesting opportunities for the Canucks to do trial balloons with with branding down in the valley. Um, yeah, no, I'm a fan. I like what? I, I would have liked an arrow. Like I thought Abbotsford arrows was the way to go. I thought that would have been cool, but you know, short of an aviation theme name, I'm glad it's not something like golden Eagles or something hokey Canucks Canucks will work like Canucks will play in my view. I think that's strong um, and a good call all around by the organization. I like it. And again, we don't know this. I mean, it's, it's quite possible that they could be trying to throw people off the scent so that they get this big announcement. But I just think when you connect dots with, and we've talked about it here on the pod, the, the staffing levels uh, of the organization and, you know, the work that has to be done to repopulate, uh, well, to move your farm team, first of all, and then get it up and running. Like, you know, if all these decisions were made centrally, it would make a lot of sense that 
this is the way that that they want to go. So uh, I think we find out on Friday, uh, unless uh, somebody's able to to get to the bottom of that uh, before the end of the week. So there should be a little bit of Canuck news at the very least uh, before this week is through. And of course, the buyout window opens 24 hours after the Stanley Cup is presented. So we'll see if that happens. uh, Perhaps as soon as Wednesday, J-Pat. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, you and Harm have been at it, uh, even here in the offseason, still uh, pumping out the content at The Athletic. Uh, late last week, since our last pod, uh, there was a piece up about under-the-radar targets for the Canucks on defense, and you now have uh, a companion piece looking at, is it 11? 11 under-the-radar forward targets for them? Yeah, yeah. There's actually 12, but one of them was so far under the radar, he <laughs> slipped under ours. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's 11. Yeah. And <laughs> we didn't lie in the headline. That would have been a good meta joke, though, now that I think about it. I, I feel like I'm going to go plug in Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez? Yeah, so I have a 12. <laughs> he's not good, but if he's affordable, whatever. That's all the connects need. Like, the, you know, the point of this exercise really is to underscore the fact that, you know, the Canucks don't have a lot of space. Like they don't have a lot of space unless something gives right. And, and by something, I mean the salary cap equivalent of the Canucks going Houdini on the trade market, right? Like literally escaping from a locked case buried in a freezing cold lake and they're wearing a straight jacket, right? Like that's, that's what trading Louis Erickson or Antoine Roussel or Brendan Holtby or, Jay Beagle would be the equivalent to in hockey terms. And so unless they can do that, they're probably looking at somewhere between seven and a half and $10 million in space. And they have real needs like a top four defenseman and another everyday defender who can play Um, a top six forward and another third line forward, ideally, right? Before you get into thinking about things like Tyler Myers playing matchup minutes, which, you know, you don't want, you don't win that way. Or, um, Tyler Mott playing on the third line with Miller and Pod Colson. And it's like, I like Tyler Mott a lot, really good player, but Tyler Mott's not going to help you sustain offensive zone possessions, right? Like he's going to play good defense, work his tail off, attack against the grain. And that's great. But I don't think that's the guy you want to pair with Miller and Pod Colson, not to mention the fact that then your fourth line's kind of hosed, right? Like you kind of need Mott to drive your other bottom six forward line. Anyway, Went through this exercise and we've identified a bunch of guys, uh, a bunch of guys. I mean, that, that is what it is. It's 11 guys. None of them perfect, right? With the exception of Mason Appleton. The, the rest of them are reclamation projects, bounce back candidates, guys who will not get headlines on the day they sign, but could make a big difference in season. And that's sort of what, that's the, that's the shopping aisle that the Canucks are left working in this offseason as a result of the inefficient money that remains on their books. And that's a tough place to be. And and I get it. And I get why people are sick of hearing about it, but it's also, you know, we have to be realistic and pragmatic and the Canucks have to do the same in evaluating who can help them, you know, take a step forward, bounce back after a chaotic season um, during a year in which I think they're going to be really hard pressed to improve enough to be serious contenders in the playoff picture, even in what's anticipated to be a a relatively weak Western division. Uh, Of the 11 on this list, we have spoken at length about Mason Appleton and we did a bit last 
I think, pod or two pods ago on Ryan Dezingle. Uh, you've mentioned Warren Fogel before. So some of the names have been out there. But the guy that's last on the list is really intriguing to me. And I have to think he's going to be intriguing to a lot of teams around the National Hockey League. And that's Michael Bunting. Only because he scored 10 goals in 21 games with the Arizona Coyotes. This is a guy, he's 25 and has barely played in the NHL. He's got 26 NHL games to his credit over two seasons. But I mean, it's impossible to ignore a guy that scores 10 times in 21 games. He's not going to score at that rate his entire career. But I am really curious to sort of see what happens here. And the Coyotes are being the Coyotes again. I mean, they, they went the, the cheap route, let's be honest. Um, you know, with their coach, Andre Turnier gets his opportunity in the NHL. Good for him. I'm not going to hold that against him. But, um, you know, they're trying to unload Oliver Ekman Larson again. It sounds like they're trying to move Connor Garland, who is one of their better scorers. And now it sounds like maybe Michael Bunting is going to be on the move as well. So I have no idea, you know, who's going to play for the Arizona Coyotes next season. That's not really my issue. Uh, that's more for them. But but Michael Bunting is is interesting to me. Just, uh, again, the, the numbers that I mentioned, 10 goals in 21 games, that's going to attract some attention from around the National Hockey League. Yeah. I mean, look, he drove play pretty well, right? Like, the goal rate is outrageous, <laughs> obviously, and that's not sustainable. But there's a lot of other things that he did in terms of posting really good two-way results in you know a, a top of the lineup role as a complementary piece that I think you know you you, you want to see that guy do it more, right? Like I think and and it, from Bunting's end, like this is such a unique opportunity. You probably thought you were going to be scraping to find AHL minutes. You know, and then you break out 10 goals in 21 games and now you're a free agent. Like this is a this is a potential life altering opportunity for you. And and I do think you want to get like Jordan Wheel did in Montreal a few years ago. Right. Like you want to get term. You want to get some more money. But you also want to be somewhere where you maybe have a shot to move up the lineup and play and, and on and on. And so, you know, Vancouver has opportunity like Vancouver can make a pretty good pitch to a guy like Michael Bunting, I think. Um, and, and they should like, that's a, that's well worth doing. And, and the other thing about this list to remember and bunting fits into this is it's not about finding the two guys you like and going to get those guys. It's like, these are guys that maybe you can bring in four or five of them. Right. And if you get two hits or three hits, like that changes your season. And if you even only get one hit, so be it. That's, that's the nature of the game. The AHL Canucks will crush. Right. Like that's how they need to approach this offseason. We've spelled that out at length. And, and bunting for me is a really good fit, even if he does come in at a slightly higher price point because of what he managed to do because of his age than some of the other candidates on our list. Like that's a gamble worth jockeying uh, to get to the front of the line in order to make. It's also a list that is remarkably full. I mean, three of the 11 guys are named Derek. So we should be handicapping the odds here. And I think. they're all what, centers. What are Step the chances? Ryan Broussard. What are the chances <laughs> the Canucks land a Derek this summer? <laughs> are there what, are there other Derek options, or it's uh, just those three? Well, on your list, there's just those three. Oh, but okay. I'd have to I'd have to go and do. Can uh, you think of other Derek's? Are there Derek's in the draft? Uh, there was Derek Dorsett. Right. He's not, he's not an option anymore. <laughs> Is he in the draft? <laughs> I don't believe so. <laughs> Good Derek, for him. 
Derek Morris is a little past oh, his yeah. prime too. Yeah, a little, little, little bit old. <laughs> now I need to know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is funny. I um, There are a ton. Uh, they're all centermen. Like the only centermen that we included were named Derek um, in our list. I don't know. What, that was unintentional, obviously, but I noted it myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess they could have an offseason where they signed like Brendan Smith, re-signed Brandon Sutter, um, signed Brendan Montour, right? They could have a Brendan Summer. Brandon Sod, they could chase Brandon Sod. They could have a Brandon Brendan summer. I feel like there's more Brandons than there are. This is the summer of Brandon more than it is of of Derek. But you know, there's a lot of Derricks, and they all play center. I don't know what, why. What about Derek Grant? Derek he's Grant. Ab- I think he's on a multi year deal. Yeah, but he's an Abbotsford guy. Yeah, he is an Abbotsford guy. They'd have to trade for him though, because he's uh, on a multi year deal. Make and, it happen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> Derek Grant. Yeah, there you go. And uh, it's too bad there's not like a guy whose last name is Derek, you know, like an, an Aaron Derek or something that could really sort of flesh this idea out. Uh, but no, there's a lot of Derek's. They all play center. Uh, I can't I can't think of another one. I'm, am I looking okay, but, over lists of free agents looking for a fourth Derek? Yes, I am. <laughs> but I haven't okay, found one yet. Let's work with the three that you've got on your list, though. Is okay. there one of those three? As you said, they all play the middle. They're all... Uh, certainly in that veteran category, well past 30. Uh, I think Derek Ryan is 34 now. Uh, but you got Broussard. You've got uh, Derek Stepan as well. Is there one of the three Dereks on your list that you know, rises above? Yeah, it's Derek Ryan, I think. For me, it's Derek Ryan. But I also think Derek Ryan is that guy for a lot of people and a lot of teams. Now, he didn't play a ton so you know, and he's a little bit undersized and he is 34. Maybe that restrains his value. But I don't think he's necessarily a one times one million dollar player. I think he might be a two times two million dollar player. Um, still well worth chasing it for the Canucks, in my opinion. But, you know, it, it'll depend on if teams see him as a potential 3C or not. We do. We, we think he could play 3C in a pinch if the Canucks needed options there. So I like him a lot. For me, he's the standout. Now, Derek Stepan's another interesting one. I don't think that Derek Stepan has a ton left necessarily. He definitely has some unique family concerns. So I, I think he needs to figure, figure out exactly where he wants to play. But, you know, he's definitely not as bad as he looked like he was in Ottawa last year. I think he could still have some game. And one of his closest friends in the league is JT Miller. So the Canucks would have, you know, a pretty useful uh, pitch man. In, in those in approaching that sort of those sort of talks, uh, is there additional hockey value from Step on to mine? Not sure, but he's a guy who I think will be in that one one you know rebuild your value tier, and that's the type of bet that I think the Canucks need to be really disciplined about. Uh, not even just disciplined, really aggressive about working to place this offseason. So he stands out to me as well. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. All right, there's a couple other things I want to get to here in the hockey world. We'll touch on the Stanley Cup final because uh, the hockey season could very well end tonight. But before then, uh, we said it was a quiet weekend in terms of news. There was some news out of Minnesota with Joel Erickson Eck getting uh, an eight-year, another max deal here. So we've seen two in the last week. Yep. Is is there anything instructive about the Joel Erickson Eck extension of eight years at $42 bucks? Well, just interesting that we've seen a guy take a long-term second contract, right? I, I think that's a pretty big surprise for me just because I expected players in particular to be cognizant of the artificial restraints that are going to be put on their salaries as a result of the flat cap era, right? Which you should extend for three or four or five years, but not for eight, right? And so if you're Yoel Eriksson-Eck committing long-term like this, Locks you into a $5.2 million clip that on the tail end of that deal, like usually we're looking at the tail end of, of deals that take a guy into their early 30s and saying like, ooh, that could look gnarly for the team, right? But I reacted to that one a little differently because of the flat cap. I, I thought, boy, he could really be surrendering an awful lot of earning potential here. And I think that's the mark of a contract you want to sign if you're a team. <laughs> so what's instructive about this? Looks like players are are willing to go long. Looks like teams are willing to go long if the piece is right. And what the Minnesota Wild have effectively done is locked in the prime years of one of the best two-way centermen in hockey at a $5.2 million clip. Really good. Like, Joel Erickson's one of those, like, really good non-star level players. But he's a really good piece. And I love this bet for the Minnesota Wild. This is exactly how I think you want to utilize second contracts in general. Um, really good, really smart, nice play by them. And Yoel Eriksson, he's a, he's a beast, just a hell of a player. This is going to be, I, I think this has the potential to be a very favorable contract for the Wild. Well, it's funny because people in Minnesota, you know, for a few seasons had just been losing their mind, right? Like their own son got away from them in that 2015 draft right. because Eriksson was taking three picks before Brock Besser. And, like, I think hockey fans in Minnesota truly were pulling their hair out that they, you know, here was Besser lighting up uh, NHL goaltending from his rookie season on. And people weren't really sure what Joel Eriksson was or was supposed to be. And Brock Besser has continued to score goals and do his thing, but it, it kind of feels like the fans in Minnesota have come around on this player and he has narrowed the gap in the court of public opinion in the state of hockey at the very least. Yeah. He'll never have the Besser appeal. He's not that player, right? Like, no. Besser's a flashier player overall. And, you know, such an engaging personality, too. And I think that's a big part of it. But Joel Erickson Eck, like, you know, Erickson Eck is a beast. Like, he's just a monster. He's a really, really good defensive center. And he's got a lot of those, like, he's just going to get nastier, I think, as the years go by. Um, no, I love this bet for Minnesota. And, and I'm interested, like the last two contracts we've seen signed now are eight-year deals by Nugent Hopkins and Eric Zanek. Um, You know, 
I am surprised. It feels a lot different than last offseason. And, and I guess if we're sort of extrapolating more than the dynamics from a player's consideration standpoint, maybe we begin to wonder, is this a sign that, in fact, with the prospect of gate revenue looming on the other side of the summer, that we're not going to be looking at uh, a buyer's market that's quite as extreme as what we saw last summer when the market opens on July 28th. I, I do think we're beginning to sort of see some signs of life in that direction. Teams around the league are still cap crunched, generally speaking. So there's still going to be value to be had just because there's not a ton of money in the system, but it does, it, it's beginning to feel like, you know, some of those mid tier guys, like we're going to see more Chris Tanev type contracts, right. And maybe a few, a few fewer, Mikhail Granlund type contracts. It does sort of feel like caps are on for more clubs around the league. The cash crunch anyway, that's so shaped last offseason, that at least may be over. All right. I, I hate to do this uh, in a public forum like this one, but, and it's not over yet. Like, I, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I was going to give you credit because it's a bold play to, to call a sweep in any playoff series, let alone the Stanley Cup final. But you were pretty confident a week ago. We, we did our picks and, uh, I said Tampa in five, and, and that's still a possibility, but you you said Tampa in four, and here they are, three wins in, took the weekend off, and if you're Montreal, like, whatever. I mean, you don't want to get swept, so I'm sure they'll show up. They need better goaltending. Carey Price hasn't been earlier in these playoffs, Carey Price, but... Like, Montreal got three on Vasilevsky on Friday night. Like, they, they, they scored three and they still got lapped. Like, it just, it, it just doesn't seem to matter what Montreal does. Uh, this Tampa team was built to win, as you pointed out last week. And here they are now knocking on the door. And you just kind of get the feeling that, uh, this thing is going to end in four games. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not backing off my sweet prediction now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Lightning are, just so far superior to a Canadians team that, you know, had a, had a miracle run to get here, but it was a miracle run to get them here. Right. I, I mean, I didn't see them knocking off Vegas or Toronto. I think they beat two of the five legitimately elite teams in the sport on their way here. And then also the Winnipeg jets. Um, but it, it's an, it's an incredible run from a team that's got three really exciting young players. Like yes, Barry has really changed my opinion on him. Uh, over the course of the past two and a half months, I think there's a lot more skill there than I thought. Suzuki's long been a favorite of mine. Cole Caulfield's long been a favorite of mine. They've been scintillating. Like, Cole Caulfield's been incredible. What a what a brilliant show he's put on throughout this playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think as I look at this Montreal team and how this finals has played out, like, first of all, Vasilevsky is just so good, right? But secondly, like, they haven't been overwhelmed I don't think by by Tampa Bay's skill, generally speaking, it's not like the point line has just completely dominated their matchup or, or like, you know, a third line with Stamco Sorelli on it has just overwhelmed Montreal's bottom six. Like Montreal kind of has had the depth to hang, but hang in like a 45% out of a hundred, you know, like the hang, but just <laughs> slightly behind where, where I think Montreal's struggles have been most notable in my view anyway, has been just the torrent of mistakes that we've begun to see from a defense core that in particular is played above their heads. You know, you think about Ben Chirot and yeah. some of what we've seen from him, John Merrill, and some of what we've seen from him, Gustafson, obviously. Um, 
power play specialist, not a huge surprise there. Uh, Joel Edmondson too. And it's like, Sherratt, Edmondson, Merrill, I have time for all of those guys. Like they are all really useful depth players, but is Sherratt a top pair guy? Does Edmondson send a second pair guy on a Stanley Cup winning team? Like, I don't think so, right? Like, I, I don't think that, that shouldn't be a hot take, right? Um, when the pressure has been turned up by this Tampa Bay forecheck, I think we've begun to see the seams, right, of a, of a blue line that's been, in terms of their performance, way more than the sum of their parts over the past two and a half months, but remains the sum of their parts, you know, against the right club, against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, and so, you know, it's been an interesting series. I actually think for all that it's been one-sided, it's actually been interesting hockey and, and credit to the Canadians, one thing I know for sure, they may get swept on Monday, but they're going to they're gonna go balls to the wall. Like, they're going to show up and try and compete hard. And you have to give a, a lot of credit to a team with that type of competitive fire, even if they have found themselves overmatched against the best club in hockey at the moment. Yeah, I think for me, you know, and just as an observer on the outside, wanting the best possible series... You know, the storyline, okay, Tampa wins the first two, but Montreal played well in game number two. Now they're coming home, and they're only going to have 3,500, but those 3,500 are going to make so much noise. Oh, and they're getting their head coach back, and, oh, it's 2 nothing before the game. Like, the I ice know. was still wet. Like, you know, and, and just not the start, obviously, that they were looking for. The, the funny thing for me is, Tom, that all three of these games have been 2-1 to one Tampa at some point in the hockey game. Yeah. And, and you know, this kind of... I guess, holds to form that, you know, we wondered about Montreal's offense and, you know, three games that were two to one at some point where Montreal needed that next goal. But as I thought about it, it reminded me of pods that we did during the Canucks season where the Canucks would fall behind and it was such a monumental struggle for them to try to claw their way back in hockey games. And it's easy to say, well, just get the next goal, but you need saves to maintain the game at two to one until you can get the next goal and as good as Carey Price has been in the first three rounds, that hasn't happened here. So it's not even so much Montreal's offense. It's that they really haven't had the chance. They haven't been able to stabilize at two to one to give themselves a chance to get the next goal because they're not getting saves at the other end. And you saw it again. I mean, it went, you know, Tampa with the quick strike early in the second period. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can't be giving up two on O's with Palat and Kucherov. No. Like that, that, that's not going to get it done. So, well, and you uh, need, they needed the save on the Anruta shot. You know, like that's yep. that's the one Price has got to have. But yeah, I mean, look, Tampa Bay is incredible. And and look, I know that I'm beating the Mason Appleton horse way too hard. Like I know that people are probably just like. Who do you think Mason Appleton is, Drance? <laughs> but let me tell you who I think he is, J-Pat, really quickly. I think the reason I'm beating this horse so hard is like, how does this Canucks team find Blake Coleman? Right? Because that's what they need. They need a guy who can be a top six caliber player for less than $2 million. Like, how do they find Barkley Gaudreau? Right? Like, that, that's what they need to do here. And they're, they, they need to do it without trading a first, right? Like they need to do it without waiting till the deadline because they'll be out of it by then. Mason Appleton, this is a really unique opportunity. That guy could be that caliber of player, in my opinion. In two, three years, we could be talking about him the way we talk about Blake Coleman right now. Like a heavy press type who can play in your top six, 
play some defense, win some battles, compliment your skilled guys. That's it. Like that's the guy. Um, for me, it's a, just a no brainer. Like whether it's the Canucks or someone else, like honestly, he might make a ton of sense for Tampa Bay. They should be looking at this um, because he's especially with the cost control on him next season. Like there's no better fit from a Canucks perspective. There just isn't. I, I've, I've gone through the lists. I've gone through the targets. Like he's the guy they need to go yard sale, like <laughs> full send. Um, in my opinion, anyway, I think he'd be a huge difference maker. I just wanted to emphasize that one last time. This is my last Mason Appleton rant, J-Pat, no, I promise not. you. It is not. Come on. We're getting close to expansion and protection lists and all that kind of stuff. It's not the last time Mason Appleton's going right. to show up on this podcast. Hey, if you're not, if you're not the... hyping Mason Appleton, you're doing it wrong, right? Well, <laughs> in the media and, game. And for the sake of this argument, can we call him Derek? Can we call him Derek Appleton? <laughs> Derek Appleton. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I wonder what his middle name is. I think we'll have to figure that out. Maybe it's Derek. We'll get to the bottom of that. <laughs> Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. We always offer a recommendation or two of other pods here under the athletic umbrella. This one will be of interest, I would imagine, to some Canuck fans. Judd Brackett, you remember Judd. Uh, Judd Brackett, the director <laughs> of amateur scouting for the Minnesota Wild. Smart guy, always has some great insight on the game and, and the whole scouting operation. So uh, Judd Brackett uh, is on with Mike Russo straight from the source this week. You can check that out midweek. Uh, there was a little Canucks scouting news as well. I saw Patrick Johnson had the story that Todd Harvey has officially mm-hmm. been named the head of the team's amateur scouting. And in the uh, article, John Weisbrot says, uh, yeah, it's a title, but he has been basically in this position ever since Brackett uh, left the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, Jonathan Bates was let go as well, college yeah. scout, and, and sort of with ties to bracket, right? Like that's sort yeah. of one of the, one of the final guys who might've been seen as a bracket loyalist who, who's gone from the club. And yeah, so that's the scouting news and, and we'll see how they function. I mean, this is a big draft for this team. Um, you know, Todd Harvey's first year as director or de facto director, um, they just didn't have a ton of weaponry and, and the results are looking a year out anyway, uh, a little bit lean, um, they need to bounce back in a big way and, and also, you know, need to bounce back in a season in which like at a draft table in which, you know, there's challenges unlike any that have ever come before, right. For this Canucks team, um, it's going to be mighty difficult to evaluate draft performance this year. Uh, but you know, by all accounts, Harvey is uh, bright, uh, open-minded, uh, well-respected ar- around the industry and, and within the team. So uh, congratulations to him. Uh, will be very interesting to see how a department, you know, that both the general manager and assistant general manager, John Weisbrod, like to be very involved in, that also incorporates the opinion of, of a goalie coach and Ian Clark, um, you know, that faces a ton of challenges as a result of the pandemic, how they fare over the next few months. But, um, you know, good to see the club anyway formalize uh, what's been true for a while, that he's sort of directing things there. Um, 
you know, albeit with a lot of hands in the pot. Uh, 11 under-the-radar forward targets for the Vancouver Canucks is the latest piece. It is posted now at The Athletic, so uh, we talked about it here. You can check it out, read for yourself. Uh, check out our comment section for every podcast episode at The Athletic app. Rate and subscribe to the VanCast on Apple. And if you're not already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash VanCast and receive a subscription for just $3.99 a month. For your answer, it's JPAT. As always, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the VanCast here at The Athletic and theathletic.com. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.